0: You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Well, good morning and uh, a welcome to our friends joining online. A big welcome to you also. Uh, we just got back some of us from an amazing week in Harrogate as part of the uh, Assemblies of God National Conference. And a really powerful time, I, I think something around 1,600 people, mainly leaders from the 600 churches of AOG across, uh, the, uh, across Great Britain, and uh, Esther and myself had the privilege of, of leading uh, daily prayer sessions, and uh, supported by Mark Beswick and AJ and Sarah Brown, and just a powerful time in the presence of the Lord. It was sweet and uh, significant and uh, we, we, had, we had the second biggest room available and uh, people got turned away because they couldn't get in. There was such a growing hunger and appetite for prayer and this was early in the morning and uh, we're grateful for Esther and myself, we've uh, just stepped into uh, a new role officially as prayer leads uh, for the Assemblies of God, which means we're trying to support Pastor Glenn Barrett, who's the national leader for AOG, and the national leadership team in raising the prayer temperature across our movement, and also seeing the prophetic released to another level. There's a spotlight come on this house of saying, you guys, you're doing something. There's a, there's a city-changing, nation-impacting church that seems to be built on the priority of prayer. Would you come and help us? And so we thank God. Um, you know, here we... We believe in the body and the breath. In the beginning, the Bible says, God made man from the dust of the earth and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a a living being. The body and the breath. In the valley of dry bones, there's the bones and the tendons and the flesh and the skin, they come together. But then the breath comes in, they become a terrible army. I believe this is a pattern for church. This is what we see. It's not spelled, not articulated like this. But we see in the book of Acts and the epistles, the systems and the structures and the process and the organization and the communication, the administration, everything that is need to scale up. But you also need the breath of God. Without the breath of God, it's just a corpse. It's an organization. And I think what's happened over, I don't know, the last period of time, maybe 20, 30 years, uh, from particularly the our sort of stream of churches Pentecostal churches, either by denomination or by conviction, where historically there there was a depth of prayer, a a passion for the presence of God, an understanding how to move in the power of God and the gifts of the Spirit, but but really weak on organization, and the churches didn't really scale up. And then in the last season, there's been an emphasis on good leadership. There's been a lot of trade, the value of good leadership and organization has come more to the mainstream of church, which has been a good thing. But I think the pendulum has potentially swung too far. And now there's a generation of church leaders growing up where everything looks right, feels right, the website is good, it smells right, the coffee's great, but they don't know how to engage in spiritual warfare as they should. And, and the pendulum, well, here's the key. Not that the pendulum swings back, we hold on to some extremes, we hold on to body and leadership, but also we go after the breath, the presence of God and prayer uh, and the things of the Holy Spirit. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And so uh, for Esther and myself, we we don't know how this is all going to work out alongside uh, what the Lord is doing here at CLM and within the city, but we believe by the grace of God that we've got a little role to play in just provoking these things. And uh, so it's an exciting time. Value your prayers in all of that. And uh, so grateful for the team that came away with us to help us. You know, it's easy to lead prayer and the prophetic uh, when, when Mark B and the team have opened up the presence of God. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's just a completely different proposition. Who knows, in the presence of God, you can pray for hours. And, and outside of the presence of God, an hour can feel like a slog. And uh, so we thank God for, for the gifts that came with us and, and just helped to create an amazing environment. Well, as Esther said, we are on week two of our series on the Holy Spirit. Who's grateful for the Holy Spirit? My goodness, one awesome thing. Last week, Esther brought us a brilliant introduction to the Holy Spirit that the God that we love and serve is three in one three persons God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. She helped us understand that, that although the Holy Spirit is the third person, of the Trinity, uh, it's not because he's third in value, it's just he's revealed third. Although that said, he was there right in the very beginning. Genesis 1, the Spirit of God hovered Over the waters, and God spoke. When the word and the spirit come together, there is creative power, and that's true in your life. And so we thank God for the spirit, and we see throughout the whole of the Old Testament the Holy Spirit at work coming upon particular people at particular times for particular assignments. Prophets and priests and kings and servants and artisans. Those that, that were empowered and anointed to bring something of God to the people. But a day was coming and has now come where the Spirit of God is poured out upon all people. And uh, we understood a little bit uh, from Esther last week of Jesus trying to help us understand that the Holy Spirit is God. He said, another, Alos uh, we heard last week another the same exactly like me. Another is going to come. Another what? Another comfort. Another paraclete. One that will the paracletos, the one that will come alongside to be your comfort, to be your empowerer, to be your advocate, to be your strength, to be your guide, to reveal you, uh, to lead you into truth, to sanctify you, to change you. Another just like me. You see, here's the thing in in uh, John 13 where, where Jesus said, "Unless the seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains the seed." single seed. But if it falls to the ground and dies, it becomes many seeds. Uh, that's because someone's come and said, we want to see Jesus. I think it's Philip that comes in that story. Uh, was it was John 12. Uh, and, and, and Jesus, uh, they said, uh, sir, someone, someone's come because they want to see you. And he says, i tell you, unless the seed falls to the ground. He's about to go to the cross. And I think what he's saying here is, everyone's going to want to see me, but let me go to the cross and then everyone will see me. Because the Spirit is going to be poured out on all flesh. And the early church had to grapple with theology and understand, well, okay, who, who is this God? And they, they helped us understand Trinitarian theology. The Council of Nicaea, AD 325, saying, we, we believe that Jesus, we affirm Jesus is God. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not not made. He is of one substance with the Father. And then a little later, the Council of Constantinople that that says, we affirm that the Holy Spirit is also God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And they said this, and we believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified. In other words, the Holy Spirit is also God. And this is what we believe. This is what we affirm. The, the early councils, they were, they were set up to refute uh, other ideas, theological ideas that were coming and challenging theology. And what happened, you see the breath of God, the affirmation of God on correct theology, where actually those that affirmed the Council of Constantinople, God breathed on that area of the church and it grew and expanded hugely important that we understand the Holy Spirit is God. Today, we're going to look at being filled with the Holy Spirit. Can we say that together? Filled with the Holy Spirit. As I've just said, and Esther helped us last week, that the Holy Spirit had come upon different people at different times in the Old Testament. But then it became clear that a new era was coming. Joel the prophet had prophesied this in Joel 2, 28-29, that Peter... excuse me, affirms on the day of Pentecost, and it shall come to pass afterward. And Peter says on the day of Pentecost, this is it. The the afterward that Joel was prophesying, it's now, it's come, it's today. But he said, it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Can we say all all flesh? Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. No, not just the prophets. Your sons, your sons are gonna prophesy. Your daughters are gonna prophesy. It's not just Ezekiel and Jeremiah. The Holy Spirit's gonna come on everybody, and everyone's gonna be able to prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and also or even on my men servants and my maidservants, on the lowly, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. And then Luke 3, the people were expecting the Messiah and and John the Baptist is baptizing people in the wilderness. And and this is incredible ministry. And they're thinking like, this guy, he's like Elijah. Is is he the Messiah? And this is what uh, the Bible tells us. The people were waiting expectantly, were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. And John answered them all. I baptize you with water, but one. Who is more powerful than I will come. The, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. I'm not even worthy to do His shoelaces up, guys. You have no idea how much greater than I He will be. He's coming. And He will baptize you with or in the Holy Spirit and fire. The word is really important. Baptizo. It means to immerse, to drench to douse, to, to submerge. it Not a light touch, but, but a complete dr- like dousing with the Holy Spirit, drenching with the Holy Spirit. Now watch this after Jesus' resurrection. He's gone to the cross. He's raised from the dead. He appears to the disciples. John 20, 21, 22. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. He appears to the disciples. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive Receive the Holy Spirit. If there was ever a person who walked on planet Earth, that you would want to pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit, it's Jesus. And he breathes on and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And, And we have to believe something happened. They received something. Something happened. But I want us to understand that was not it. It was part of it, but it was not the end of it. See, Jesus has breathed on them, and they have received something of the Holy Spirit. But then literally a matter of days later, he says in Acts 1, well, it says on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So understand this, they've received the Holy Spirit, but they haven't yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit. How does that work? Well, I believe the Bible says that, 1 Corinthians 12, you cannot say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. John 3, you must be born of the flesh, but born of the Spirit. But when we give our lives to Christ, we are born again. And the Holy Spirit is at work within us. We are born of the Spirit. But there is also a baptism or a filling in the Holy Spirit, a full empowerment The picture is sometimes used of a of a gas boiler. If you've got a gas boiler in your house, then it will have a pilot light. And unless there's a problem, the pilot light will always stay on. And that's what it can be like to to receive the Holy Spirit. Have the Holy Spirit in our lives. We have come a light. And yet there is a dimension uh, where the boiler fully fires up, which is yet to come. And Jesus says, don't go anywhere until this has happened. And then they gathered round him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? But he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And then a few days after that, they've been gathering to pray. And Acts 2, 1 to 4, it says this, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Another dimension. I believe we can only say Jesus is Lord by the Holy Spirit, yet there is a dimension of being filled, being empowered. I believe the first time that happens, you might call it the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But this is a dimension of the Spirit's power that is desired and designed for us. For me, I, I gave my life to Christ. You've heard me tell it many times you've been in this church. Came down the front of a little Anglican church at the age of 17 in response to a gospel message. I, I responded to Jesus dying on the cross for my sins. I repented and I gave my life to Christ and I was prayed for and I received the Holy Spirit. I believed something happened in me that began to change me. The old had gone and the new had come. I passed over from darkness into light and from death to life. I had become a Christian. I was born again. But it was several months later on a youth camp that I first encountered the power of God in my body for the first time. In my being. I experienced something of a dimension of an infilling. And I believe that. Like nobody said it. And, it's, and, and everybody's experience will be different. But I look back. And go, I think that was the first time I was filled with the Holy Spirit. In that environment, something happened to me. I encountered the power of God in a way I hadn't done. And it was incredible. It was exhilarating. It was beautiful. I desired it again. I went after it and it was the changing of my life. The New Testament is clear that this is actually not an experience that we should just seek one time or for our enjoyment. But actually it is a state for us to live in. In the day of Pentecost, Peter is there and he's among those that are filled with the Holy Spirit. Then a couple of chapters later in Acts 4, it is noted when he stands up and he addresses his opponents. It says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, stood up and said, He is in a state of being Spirit-filled at that moment. And at the end of that, he went back to a prayer meeting with the other disciples. At the end of which, it is also noted that when they finished praying, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. So he's filled at Pentecost, but then he's, he, he's, he's full of the Holy Ghost when he, he addresses his opponents. And then they go back and then they're all filled again, filled, filled and filled. It's the same with Paul. He's filled at his, his conversion. He meets the risen Jesus glorified on the road to Damascus and he's, he falls on his face and he's blinded. And then Ananias goes and, and prays for him and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. That's Acts 9. But in Acts 13, it says Peter stood up filled with the Holy Spirit and he addressed a sorcerer. And he says, there's there's no good thing in you. But it notes that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Paul himself writes to the church in the region of Ephesus. And and if we understand the context of Ephesus, and we said this at the start of the year, when we worked through in 21 days of prayer, the, the, the book of Ephesians. That actually, this was written as a circular to all the churches in the area, and it isn't to the leaders, it's to all the believers. And this is what uh, Paul writes to all the believers in Ephesus. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled, brothers, sisters, be filled, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as we we focused at the start of our year, this is, I'm not a linguistics guy, but I understand from study, this is in what's called the present continuous tense in the original, which really means, brothers and sisters, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be continuously holy. Don't, don't tick that box to say it once happened to me. Be filled with the Spirit. Live a Spirit-filled life. I want to ask and answer the question, who is it for? And I, and I, and I want to say very clearly, this is for everyone. This is for everyone. Did you notice in, that, in the Joel 2 scripture, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. All, I'll pour out my Spirit on all all flesh, male and female, young and old, lowly and noble. Jesus is at the Feast of Tabernacles, John 7. It's a beautiful thing. Part of the Feast of Tabernacles, there was an expectation that one year Ezekiel's river, Ezekiel 47, the prophecy would be fulfilled and a river would come up out uh, from the temple. And there was a hole in the ground in the temple where they expected that a river might might come and gush forth. Uh, And they believed that at Tabernacles, this one year, this was going to happen. Ezekiel's river, a river would literally flow from the temple. And Jesus stands up. He says, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. I want you to notice with me here, it says, let anyone, can we say anyone? Anyone. 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 Any, anyone. Who's this for? Anyone. Anyone who's thirsty. Is anyone thirsty? Then come. Then come. Anyone. And he says this, I love it, this word, whoever or whosoever. Can we all say whosoever? Whosoever, Because you see, the thing is, we might think, oh, I'm not worthy. We might think, I don't know enough. We might think, I'm not ready enough. Now, let me be clear. I think, and I pray for people over a lot of years now to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And occasionally, where someone is being stubborn and willfully disobedient, willfully living in sin, willfully uh, resisting the leading of God in an area of their life, sometimes there can be a blockage until that is removed. And that's because they've not really made Jesus Lord. But if we're seeking to follow him, it, it, we won't have everything sorted out. When I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I mean, I, I, who's still a work in progress? I mean, I am. I am not yet perfect, in case you hadn't realized. If you've been around here any length of time, you'll know fine well, I am not yet perfect. But I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best, and by the, the grace of God, he's helping me to become more like Jesus. But when I was first filled with the Holy Spirit, there was a lot of stuff needed sorting out. But He comes, whosoever, whosoever, and He comes to fill us, to help us. This is for everyone. I knew very little when I was first filled with the Holy Spirit. On the Alpha weekend, it was so beautiful. Uh, 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 The Alpha Day, a week last Saturday. Well, we had people that are on the Alpha Course. I'm, I'm doing the Alpha Course with Jonathan. It's so brilliant seeing people, their hearts opening up to the Lord, becoming Christians. It's so great. And there's a, a, a young man that's been coming with his mum and, and on that day, I, I prayed with him and he gave his life to the Lord. And I prayed with him to to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and it was so beautiful. And I, and I said to him, Would, do you mind if I put my hand on, on your chest? And I, I just put my hand gently, and I, said, and I could feel his heart was thumping. The power of the Holy Spirit came on him. And, and when I finished praying, he, he looked up, and he had this huge smile, and he said, I, I feel, I feel, I feel so free, he said. I, I feel so happy. That's, these were his words. I feel so happy. He said, I feel like a new person. I remember a lady called Pat years ago when I did an alpha course. Uh, she gave her life to Christ and got filled with the Holy Spirit. She phoned up the next day to say, uh, I feel all clean on the inside. Is that right? <laughs> well, I, yeah, yeah that's, a, that's right. Yeah. She's just checking. I feel all clean on the inside. Should that have happened? Yes. That's what happens. The Holy Spirit comes to fill us. In the alpha course, they. They run through all the accounts in, in Acts where people are filled with the Holy Spirit and, and make the point that, that people come with different levels of, of expectation and position. I think it's, it's really interesting. They, they point out that there were those who were longing. The disciples gathered in the upper room who have been promised by Jesus, wait because the Holy Spirit's coming. And they're praying. They're in a constant prayer meeting. And they're longing for the Holy Spirit. And then at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's poured out. In Acts 8, there are those who were receptive down in Samaria. They respond to the gospel, and, and when they hear it, said so they, they received the Holy Spirit. They were receptive. Okay, there's something more. I'm, I'm open to that. There were those who had been hostile. Saul, who became Paul, going around murdering Christians, persecuting the church, hating Christians, hating the church. But then he, he converts, and... And he's filled with the Holy Spirit. There are those who, who were unlikely. Cornelius. Isn't it amazing? The early church, they, they didn't realize all flesh meant all flesh. They thought it meant all Jewish flesh. And so God speaks to Peter in a, in a vision, in a dream, to accept the invitation to go To a non-Jew's house, the house of Cornelius, and and begins to preach the gospel. And and I I think because maybe Peter wouldn't have been ready to pray for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit because of his own mindset, while he is still in the middle of preaching, the Holy Spirit falls on them. And they're all filled with the Holy Spirit, start speaking in tongues and prophesying. And he has to report back to, to the brothers. They're like, you need to explain this. Baptizing Gentiles. And he says, Lord, what was I supposed to do? It's in the middle of my sermon. And they go, Wow. This is even for the Gentiles, goodness. We don't realize all flesh meant all flesh. The unlikely, they were unlikely to them. But sometimes we see people with incredibly checkered pasts come to the Lord and filled with the Holy Spirit. No one's unlikely to the Lord no one's unlikely to the Lord. And the uninformed, in Acts 19, they go and there are some believers there. And they say, what baptism did you receive? And, and, and uh, Paul tells them about the Holy Spirit. And do you know what they say? They say, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And so he lays hands on them and they're filled with the Holy Spirit and start speaking in tongues. The uninformed. What is it for this infilling with the Holy Spirit? Well, four thoughts from me. Number one, for completion. For, I believe for completion. The reason I say this is I believe we were designed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe we were created to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is God's plan for your life that you might be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you notice how Jesus, although he's breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. says, Now let, let me warn you, don't, don't try anything yet. Don't don't try and start the church yet. Don't start witnessing yet. Not till you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And so they they're in a prayer meeting. They don't go anywhere. They respond to His instruction. But I find it Jesus, I think Jesus is going. Please, like don't don't start this until you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, because a Holy Spirit filled witness is entirely different. They needed to be complete. It brings a dynamism in your life that nothing else can bring. Rivers of living water. It brings us close to the Lord. I don't believe this is intended to be an optional extra. This is the normal Christian life. And what's really fascinating to me, I, I talked about how God breathed on, on, on doctrine that was, that was true in the early stages of church history. But I find it really interesting. In last week when... Um, Esther put up the picture of William Seymour and and drew us back to Azusa Street Revival and there was an awakening. The Pentecostal church was birthed by how Pentecostal doctrine and the spirit-filled experience has swept across all denominations in the last century. What What was once something that was niche has become mainstream. It's like the Lord affirming in our day, this is designed for everyone, that we would be complete. This is the normal Christian life. You know, Paul, Paul writes and, uh, and he says, I would like every one of you, this is in 1 Corinthians 14, and we'll look at the gifts of the Spirit next week. He said, I'd like every one of you to speak in tongues. By inference, he's also saying, I would like every one of you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me take a, a little detour about speaking in tongues. If you, if you don't know, speaking in tongues is being enabled to speak in languages, a language or languages that you have not learned. That gives you another dimension to your prayer life and to your praise life. And it, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, most of the examples in the book of Acts, one of the signs that people have been filled is they began speaking in tongues. And there are all sorts of different experiences. Some people, it seems to just come very fluently. Others just have to work and and grow in it. prayed for someone on the Alpha Day uh, the other week and that week last Saturday. Just prayed for him to be filled with the Holy Spirit and said, look, why don't you begin speaking in time? He just went off fluent immediately. No problem. I remember when I was uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, while I was at this youth camp, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Nobody t- told me anything about speaking in tongues. And nothing happened to me. And I went back to my church. But more and more people, I, I heard people speaking in tongues. And I-, I didn't think I could speak in tongues. I wasn't practiced in speaking in tongues. And I got so frustrated that at one-, one day I-, I went down the front during the worship. And one of the leaders came up and said, Are you all right? You know, it's kind of these blokes just turned up down the front. What's your problem? So he says, my problem is want, I want to speak in tongues. I'm so frustrated. It's all these people getting saved speaking in tongues. I've been a Christian two years now. And he said to me, well, you know, is, uh, are you living with... He, he said, are you a Christian? I said, yes. He said, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? I said, I don't know. Well, I didn't. And he said, have you got sin in your life? I was like, oh, Lord, please. <laughs> I, I was like, well, yeah, but I'm... Um, I'm, he said, look, are you, are you deliberately sinning against the Lord? I said, no, I'm trying. He said, well, you need to ask and then you need to receive and then you need to start speaking. And a bit like Esther said last week, I, I was like, I, was, I wanted this to be authentic. You see, my mom had got filled with the Holy Spirit. She'd knelt by her bed saying the Lord's Prayer and then had started speaking in tongues fluently without she even knew what tongues was. She phoned her friend up who took her to church the, the night before and said, what on earth have you done to me? I've just started speaking in Hebrew. What is this? And I was expecting something would happen. I was thinking the Holy Spirit was going to take my mouth over. You know, I was like, honestly, I was... And I was there, and, he said, and this guy's just saying, just, just begin. I was like, I don't, I don't want to just begin. I want the Holy Spirit to come on me in such power that it, it flows out of me like a river. But in that moment, I sensed the presence of the Lord. And I thought, Lord... Seeing as I can sense you, maybe you're in this. And I took a step and a couple of phrases came out of my mouth. And he said, there you go. I was like, really? I was like, that was easier than I was expecting. And what I realized was, actually, I could probably have started speaking in tongues at the youth camp if someone had just helped me. And I went out of that meeting, I had two phrases. I couldn't tell them, tell you what they were. But I determined, he said, just keep practicing this and more will come. You know, it's, it's like, a, like a child. They don't, they don't suddenly go from not being able to speak to fluent. And so I, I started going on daily walks. So I do 15 minutes speaking in tongues. And two phrases became three and four and five. And by the end of the week, I was fluent. And for some of you, maybe you've, you've begun. We can pray with you at the end and just keep working. Working it. Let it come. The Holy Spirit will help you. But notice this. It says in, in Acts 2, they spoke as the Spirit enabled them. Let me say that again. It says, when, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they, they spoke. We'll say they spoke. They spoke. As, the as the Spirit enabled them. Who enabled them? The Who spoke? They. Okay. So if you're expecting the Holy Spirit's going to speak, it's not his job. It's yours. He'll enable you, but you have to speak. We'll pray for you and then step out. Secondly, I would say satisfaction. Psalm 16, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. At his right hand, hand our pleasures evermore. Ah, there's something incredible about being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's another dimension of peace when the Holy Spirit, when we're filled with the Spirit. There's another dimension of peace. There's another dimension of power. There's another dimension of joy. I am satisfied in the presence of the Lord. Anyone else? Thirdly, for witness. We need the Spirit's power within us for witness. Jesus do like, don't, don't start this. But the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You receive power. And then you'll be my witnesses. We need it. You know, we can tell people about Jesus without the Spirit. But it was intended to be a Spirit-filled witness. It was intended that something within our lives, maybe the presence of God or maybe the gifts of the Spirit, there would be a dimension to our lives where we're not just talking about a theological conviction that we have that's maybe different to theirs, but we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. There's a touch of God on our lives. There's the sign that God is with us. Debbie McNeil, who's here with her her Go t-shirt on, getting ready. Come on, check this out. Um, I remember last, last year in the Go Weekend, Uh, Actually, we'd briefed people, don't go speaking in tongues if you're witnessing in Broadgate. Or people will think you're weird. Tell them about the Lord. Engage in conversation. But Debbie uh, Debbie, uh, didn't adhere to that instruction. No, to be fair, Debbie... Fell. even though that had been said there was a moment, she's talking to this lady, she felt she needed to speak in tongues. She started speaking in tongues. Turned out she spoke the language of the lady she was with, like the like the the human the mother tongue. This lady blown away ends up speaking with this lady. praying for her, she gets filled with the Holy Spirit, she starts speaking in tongues. Wow, for witness. One of the members of this church has a, a sister who lives in a, a part of the world that is largely Islamic. We heard this story from her last week. It's like firsthand relayed, and, and this sister is a spirit-filled lady. She went to hospital for surgery. She's under general anesthetic. She comes around, and, and, and one of the nurses says to her, first thing, not are you okay, are you a person of faith? And so, I mean, can you imagine coming around anyone had a general anesthetic? I feel a bit groggy. And she says, yeah, yes, I'm a person of faith. Why? I said, because you were, you were singing. While you were under anesthetic, you started singing. And, and it was beautiful. She said, we, we stopped. The surgeon stopped for 15 minutes. She said, it, we didn't know what it was, but we thought it was maybe from the Bible. There must have been something of the presence of God in her singing, and they stopped. And when she, they wanted to know what it was, and she was like, "I don't, I don't remember. I was out for the count." I tell you, there's a dimension to our lives, even when we're under general anaesthetic, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered for witness. Empowered for boldness, and they spoke the word of God boldly, I, not just to witness boldly. I know when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I have a courage that is different, a courage to face today, a, a courage regarding perspective, a boldness to stand firm, a boldness to stand firm against the enemy. I need the Holy Spirit in my life to stand and to stand firm. So how can I be filled? will not the band come up? I, I would say, number one, be open. Just be open. Be open to the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus promises this gift to us. This gift is for you and all who are far off, Peter says, at the day of Pentecost. And I want to tell you the Holy Spirit is your comforter. He's your advocate. He's the one who comes alongside. He's your guide. He's the one who's going to lead you into all truth. He's the one that helps us to be sanctified and to become holy. Well, how would we not want his fullness in our lives? He will transform us and change us and help us and support us and strengthen us. When I was at school, I had an unusual friendship. There was a guy in my year called Lee, uh, who was one of the hard guys in my year. He was a big guy, and he was known. like he was, he was in one fight, and he absolutely annihilated this guy when I was in year seven. And everyone respected him because he was tough and he was hard. I was not so tough and hard at school, but I was good at maths. And I helped Lee with his maths because we're in the same form. And One day I was being picked on, someone was pushing me in the corridor, and Lee came round the corner. He picked this guy up by his shirt and he pinned him to the wall with his, his legs were dangling. And he said, you mess with Story, you mess with me. And he dropped him. Never had any bother from that guy since. I, I, I found Lee yesterday I'd forgotten about this story and I googled him and I I know where he is. I might check him out. I'd be loath to draw too many parallels between the Holy Spirit and and Lee Dawson for for a handful of reasons but I want to tell you I was glad when he came around the corner and the Holy Spirit is your paraclete, he's your advocate, he's your support. Why would you not want him to come around the corner? Why would you not want him in your life? Be open. Be open to receive. I'd say desire. Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come. Let him come. Let him come. I, I, I know there are, I, I meet someone that I don't know if I've been filled. I've, I've kind of feel like I've started, just started speaking in tongues. It's like one phrase I need. Just, just desire. If you're not sure, just come out at the end when we, when we pray. And just open up your heart. If you want him. I think part of the problem in, in our age, we become instant world, instant everything. Where the essentials of life is like food, water, sleep, shelter, and Wi-Fi. And it's like everything's at the touch of our thumb on a screen. And even meals are microwave. If you go back two generations in Pentecostal church, some of the, the fathers of the faith that, that I know, who are in their 80s now, they had what were called waiting meetings they would come I remember speaking to, to to one guy a pastor retired AOG pastor he'd gone along every, for nine months he went to these weekly meetings to wait to receive the Holy Spirit he wanted to be filled and he just they waited two hours and the meeting closed but but at the end of nine months the power of God came upon him in such an incredible way he was transformed but he would waited for I don't think we need to wait for nine months But we need to not think, oh, I got prayed for once. I'm not sure whether it dramatically happened. Maybe God doesn't love me. Just desire. Seek after him. Come, come again. Tell him. Open your heart. And lastly, very simply to ask. Luke 11, Jesus says this. Which of you fathers, if your son asks him for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Can we say how much more? How much more will the Holy Spirit be given to those who ask? We just need to ask. What we're going to do in a moment, we're going to pray together. The band are going to lead us in a song. And then I'm going to invite any that want to be filled with the Holy Spirit today to come to the front. And as Esther will then come and close the meeting for everyone else. And the prayer team and some of us, we're just going to be around for as long as it takes to pray for you. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to, you're going to need to ask. And the prayer team, they'll they'll say to you, you need to pray. And you don't need to be magnificently experienced in prayer, but you need to ask. Just to say, Lord, would you come and fill me? How much more will the Holy Spirit be given to those who ask? And open our hearts. I wonder, can we stand together? I'll come up on the back of this song and just invite you to come forward if that's you. And if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit or you're not sure, I, I encourage you during this song to open your heart to speak to the lord to to tell him that you desire him that you want the fullness of what he's got but if i wind the message back and remind us that the instruction from paul is that we would all be being filled i wonder if we could all open our hearts at this moment because maybe you were filled many years ago for the first time but the mandate is that we should on, ongoing be filled and be filled and be filled again and to live in the spirit's fullness in our lives So God, we open our hearts to you where you are. If if you would desire a fresh infilling, why don't you just open up your your hands and begin to pray where you are. Lord, come and fill us afresh. How we need you, Lord. How we need you. And I pray for my brothers and my sisters. I pray, God, that we would be a spirit-filled people. Come and touch us afresh. Come into our lives afresh. Come, power of God and presence of God. Overwhelm us, baptize us, immerse us. Lord, give us the joy and the power of being filled and being filled afresh. Come, even as we, as we join with the worship team and we sing now, would you help us? Would you come and fill us? We pray in Jesus' name.